Every play, every stat, every breakdown, on their own they're essential, but altogether they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advantage tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing pieces to get the most out of every second of film. Learn more at huddle.com slash a quick timeout. Coach Mike Jagacki is back on the show. If you haven't listened to Coach Jagacki's previous episodes, he's an assistant coach at NCAA Division III New Paltz. He's also the author of the book, Lockdown Defense, Developing Elite Basketball Defenders. And now he's the author of another book, this time The Lockdown Program, The Drills, Progressions, and Systems for Developing Elite Basketball Defenders. Coach, welcome back, and congrats on the new book. Uh, thank you so much. Pleasure to be here, Coach. I always have time to talk defense and basketball with you. Yeah, it's always a good time. And Coach does a great job. If you haven't listened to the previous episodes, after you get done with this one, go back. I'll be sure to link those down in the description so you can find those easily. Coach, for people who may not be familiar with that first book, can you kind of explain what that's about and then go ahead and talk about how you came about writing the second book? Yeah, so Lockdown Defense, uh, Developing Elite Defenders, I basically released at the tail end of the pandemic, right? Almost two and a half years ago already. And the premise of that book was really questioning the fundamentals of all the defensive teaching that have been out there and haven't changed since the the 80s and 70s. Um, And basically diving into what great defenders actually do. And that was really a culmination of over a decade of studying and breaking down elite defenders and finding things that consistently showed up as new ways to guard, right? New techniques, new concepts, new fundamentals that we should be teaching. But at the tail end of that book, there was just a small drill section. Right. And so a lot of coaches can take that and run with it. But ultimately, the main goal of that book was really an exploration and an understanding. And so what you leave that is going, wow, but how do I start implementing all these techniques and concepts? And so that's the lockdown program. It's basically the the manual, the step by step guide, the reference. And it's everything I kind of wish I had when I was starting out. Right. It's it's the drills. It's the step by step progressions. And it's broken down really into three sections. Number one, it's an eight week program. Perfect for a player trying to transform his defensive ability in the offseason or perhaps a head coach of a high school or, or college program who wants to maximize their offseason conditioning or agility program. The second phase of the book is targeted progressions. Right, So if you have a player or a small group or a team that's really struggling in one area of defense, whether it's on-ball containment, on-ball pressure, closeouts, first step speed, off-ball speed. There's targeted progressions that can work you through how to turn a liability defender into a capable defender and, and maybe even take that capable player into elite lockdown defender. And then the third section is just bonus drills, right? Things that you can supplement or add to different workouts, see a specific player that is in need of something, and I should mention that all the drills, over 50 of them in the, in the book, in the lockdown program, have a complimentary video attachment that you gain access to in the book, a video library of all the drills. So if anything wasn't clear and you need to see it visually, there's a video just for every drill. Um, so it's everything I wish I had when I was starting out trying to help flyers and teams get better at defense. 
coach sent me a, a sample of this and and it, it was fantastic i mean very practical you basically can just kind of roll it out and follow exactly what he has there i do want to talk about some of the specifics that you just mentioned there starting with just in general this may actually apply more so to that first book than even the second book but it seemed to me that a lot of old school thought process in regards to defense coaches will basically emphasize the effort and the hard work that you put into it and you can become a great defender mm-hmm. but there's as much technique and detail needed to be a great defender as there is to be great individually on offense isn't there a hundred percent i know when i started my coaching journey and the first thing i really wanted to do is become great at teaching every fundamental but what happened was as a young coach a player would come up to me wanting to get better at defense and every coaching resource I had read up to that point was just about the effort and heart of a great defender. And so, you know, if a player came to me and said, can you help me with my jump shot? And I said, well, you just got to have more heart and hustle in it. Like, I'd be crazy, but I would be okay saying that to a player who said, can you help me with my defense? Right. I could just say, it's all about your heart and effort. Just try harder. But what I was finding time and time again, studying and breaking down great defenders is that's not the case. There are differentiator techniques and concepts. And it even got to the point where I was coaching a player when I was still at the high school uh, level with a JV player. He was a junior on JV, right, starting. And, and that's not ideal, right? If you're a high school coach, you know that. You want your juniors to at least be sitting ready varsity. Um, but instead, he was a starter on JV. And the one thing that was holding him back was his defense. He was one of the best shooters in our program, right? But he couldn't defend to save his life. But you couldn't question this kid's effort. He was the hardest worker. He was in great shape. You know, he could sprint for days. He could beat anyone in a race. He just could not guard the ball and defend properly. And what that player did is he came to me in the offseason to get better at defense. And we worked on all these things. We worked on the, the strength and conditioning side of it, the agility side of it, the reactionary side of it the movement and technique side of it. And what ended up happening is this was really my first trial and error and experimentation and refinement of all these techniques and drills I'd been studying. He went from a liability his junior year to one of the not, if not the best on-ball defender we had in the program start of his senior year. And he became a varsity starter for us. He started every game that whole season and always lined up against the other team's best perimeter player. So you can definitely get better at defense. And it was not for a lack of heart and hustle. And that was really the first time for me that all the stuff that I had been building towards, um, and that was almost, you know, 10, eight years ago, really saw it pay off for that kid and really got me on this journey of refining and developing these drills and progressions. So you've kind of split these up and laid them out in regards to the, the key qualities that you have developing defenders. What are those key qualities that you kind of have laid out? For me, there's two phases of defense and we're great at the first phase, right? The mechanical technique driven approach. And we can think about a jump shot in that regards, right? If a player wants to get better at, Developing his jump shot, we have a very mechanical and technical approach to doing so with him or her. And in defense, there's also that huge aspect of it, the stance, the footwork movements, the angles. That's a huge part. And that's usually enough to take a really liable defender and make him capable, right? An average play that you can at least rely on to stay in front. But there's this huge cloud over him, this limiting factor that I don't think we do a great job in basketball 
like in, let's say, football, if, if they have a lineman struggling with getting off the line quickly, they're going to incorporate that into a strength and conditioning program, right? They're going to strengthen the movement skills, the explosive drive of that movement. So that come game time, it's not only technique, but it's also the explosive and strength and all that stuff he has built up. And same thing in basketball. I can work with a player and have him go rep after rep after rep of trying to contain the ball, win the first dribble, guard his yard. And yes, he's going to learn technique and and the, the angles and the footwork pattern and the stance. And, and usually that'll get him at least capable. But there's still that limiting factor of his explosive ability um, and his lateral quickness. And that's really what I aim to develop using resistance bands, small weights, change of direction movements, counter uh, movements, bounding, all these different things in the lockdown program to make sure that when we're training him, he's bringing the necessary tools to take him to the next level. And it's not just the techniques that are holding him back. And he has all the tools to become not only a capable, but elite defender. Especially early on in the season, what are some of the things that you're like, these are the absolutes that we have to focus on in order to kind of lay the foundation for them being that elite defender? Yeah, I think the lockdown program in the introduction, there are eight key qualities for developing defenders. And I just want to highlight a couple of those. Number one, control and stability, right? Making sure their core is great, making sure they can master the technique side, making sure that they can break old habits and instill great ones with their footwork and, and balance and all that kind of stuff. But then the next step of that is the force absorption and change of direction, right? We love players who can go from zero to 60. We love driving cars that can just burst off that line, right? Zero to 60. Um, but it's pretty dangerous if that car can't go zero to 60 in a good time either, right? We want pliers that can not only have that burst of quickness, but can go from sprint to stop in immediate succession, then change directions. So a big part of the lockdown program is how do we develop and incorporate that force absorption to go from 60 to zero and then change direction? And a lot of times that's just inefficiency with movements. Um, and also max loads that they can carry with them. Because if you're, if you're exploding laterally at a speed you've never done before, and now you have to change direction, is your body capable of doing that, right? Is it cap uh, capable of absorbing all that force you just produced and then going in a counter direction? So that's huge in the lockdown program. And then maybe one or two more just to touch on reactivity, right? Response rate. At the end of the day, defense in my mind is a reactionary movement skill, right? And so developing reactionary mechanics, uh, think of small-sided games as a great time, is a great way to amplify that training because they not only have to get used to, to moving with explosiveness and all that kind of stuff, they also need to be able to react to a stimulus, uh, which is all what defense is really about and, and really offense too, right? We, uh, we're not going against cones in games either. And lastly, I'll just touch on toughness. Uh, toughness is probably an overused word in the coaching community. And when you when I say it in terms of defense, probably the first thing that comes to mind is diving on the floor, taking a charge, boxing out, whatever that. And that's important, right? We want pliers. We train that in the pliers. That's a crucial element to being a tough defender. But there's also the toughness of the mental side that we don't train enough when it comes to great defenders, right? Because great shot blockers aren't afraid to get dunked on. Great pressure defenders aren't afraid to get shaken. It's, it's the acceptance of that feel, not, not the denial of it, that allows them to be great. Just like a great shooter who misses a shot 
says they're going to make the next one. The same thing with a great defender. They need that tough mindset that if they give up a basket or they get shook, I'm going to lock down the next one. And so those are just some of the key, the key eight qualities that we really aim to train and instill in our program. A quick timeout podcast is presented by Dr. Dish Basketball. Dr. Dish machines are the most advanced shooting machines on the market. If you haven't already, join top programs like the Miami Heat, the Philadelphia 76ers, the Duke Blue Devils, and countless others and upgrade to Dr. Dish Basketball. And now, save an extra $300 on select models when you mention Quick Timeout Podcast. To find out more, visit drdishbasketball.com. A big thanks to 323 Sports for supporting the show. The guys with 323 Sports are a team dealer providing uniforms, gear, equipment, and more to schools and colleges across the country. I've used them on multiple occasions, and their customer service and low prices are second to none. To find out more, visit 323sports.com, where you can reach out directly to a rep at sales at 323sports.com. They'll be sure to do it right for your sports program. I'm guilty of this as well, but especially things like reaction time um, and some of the others that you mentioned, I just haven't focused on them as well. I think for some coaches, we train them passively, but we don't necessarily intentionally train them. I, I think maybe a lot of it has to do with we just haven't been trained to train those things. And as a result, they do get trained because of the drills and the games that we're playing and that kind of thing. But with the focus and the intentionality, I think is what kind of separates what you're doing and the training and the, the emphasis that you're putting on the defensive side of the ball, which is what I really like about this. And I know you, the eight week program that you mentioned earlier begins to do that without explaining, you know, every detail of those programs. Can you talk about how that's built over the eight weeks so that you, you actually see an improvement in those players? Yeah. Well, I think just touching on what you said, it's exactly right. Like if we just leave it up to chance in, in the scrimmages or the pickups they play, same thing with shooting, right? If the players only practice of shooting is, is what they get in a, in a game or small sided game we set up for them, that's not going to be enough reps to get better. Same thing with reactionary skills. We need to set up specific reactionary drills to make sure they're maximizing that reps and getting enough to actually improve, not just relying on guarding the ball, which they might do for such a small fraction of their time they're actually on the court. So we have to make sure we're being intentional. The eight-week program really builds very very succinctly through all, all eight weeks, right? And it starts very simply with just instilling the right techniques, right? The right movement patterns when it comes to on-ball defense, the right movement patterns when it comes to closing space in a closeout, the right movement patterns when it comes to exploding with that first step because a lot of defense is about that first step speed. It also, you need to be cognizant when you're doing an eight-week program of balancing the endurance and also the explosive agility training. For me, I don't want just mediocre players who can survive the whole game with great endurance, right? I'd rather train players who have that maximum explosiveness or agility and maybe need some, some blows, some breaks here and there. So you need to balance the endurance side of your eight-week program with the agility and explosive side. And that's what we aim to do in our side. So there will be sections and, and implementations of gassers, you know, the old school, you know, build up the endurance in your players, maybe they're they're gassed, they're, they're on there, you know, you have to stop them from getting on their knees and, and running to a trash can. But 
more importantly, we want to build that explosiveness, that first step speed, all that stuff we just mentioned. And you can only do that properly with short bursts of high intensity, right? With appropriate recovery time so that they can then push their limits again. We can't just continue the gas them. And so the eight week program slowly builds from instilling the right footwork, the right technique, the right mechanics. And then like we talked to the start this podcast, incorporating that strength and explosiveness elements, adding resistance bands, adding the weights, adding the counter movements, and then finally adding that reactionary element with a live stimulus partners, making it competitive, adding some enjoyment, some competitiveness throughout the whole program. And that's really a, a brief outline of the eight week kind of goals. For your drills, are they drills? Are they games? Uh, what do you like to use? I like to use both. As early on, it's it's drill work, right? It's it's understanding the right movements through a ladder, the right foot touches, the right explosive uh, turns out of a ninety degree stance when you're closing out. So it is technique driven early on, but I want to add a game element, a competitive, a life stimulus as soon as I can because you know, like we said, defense is a reactionary sport. Right, they're not just like an offense isn't going to be going against cones. The defense isn't going to be going against ladders either. Um, so we need to add a live competitive element. And even in week two, we start to layer in some some simple but effective games. Right, I love the turn and tag game that we do just to start that workout. We worked the first week on that change of direction from a stance into a sprint, kind of like a closeout. You think of a guy off the ball. He's in a stance. How do they produce force out of that? We do a kneeling explosive out of that stance. And we do a regular stance into that sprint. But the turn tag game is very simple. You get to, to uh, a pair, line up against each other, stance facing the coach. And all you do is call one side. Now they have to sprint out of that stance, get to that baseline before their partner tags them. It's just making sure that they're giving max effort and also having fun and competing with each other with it. So I love adding that competitive and reactive element as soon as we can, as soon as the technique is, is instilled. I'm curious to hear from your experience of having trained guys individually, and then you're now working with them on a regular basis as a team in a group. How have the improvements in the individual training of the players defensively improved the team defensive concepts? Yes, a hundred percent. I think we lose that a little bit as coaches that, the more we develop our individual defensive players, the, the more our team defense is going gonna, is gonna to be successful. Same thing in, in the offensive side, right? You can draw up a great play. If you got no one that could shoot that shot and make it, it's, gonna, it's not going to be a very rewarding play to run. Same thing on defense, right? If we, we have this great scheme, this great system, but our guys are constantly getting beat off the dribble, not closing out properly, it doesn't matter how great the system is. We're still losing every game. Um, and so the more time we spend on individual defense, the more we're going to be in those rotations, those scramble that we practice all the time. Whereas if we just shifted that time allotment a little bit from the scramble and shell drills to incorporating some individual defensive skill, we'll probably be in those situations a lot less. And I found that completely to be the case with the teams I've worked with or the players, the more we can incorporate individual we we add vitamins to the beginning of every practice where we we spend you know five 15 minutes just working on individual te technique and you find that you're in those scramble and all those chaotic situations and now you've got guys that can guard multiple positions and you know when that really hit me coach in the high school 
the program I was a part of, we did a lot of off-season stuff. A lot of this eight-week program comes from from that early days. But when I got to Hofstra and COVID hit, we had to do workouts with very we, – we couldn't have players working out six feet within six feet of each other, right? And so we had to use that time in our off-season, especially focused on defense because that was our identity or was supposed to be, doing drills without anyone near them, right? And, and that's – incredible thought to have but we worked on it every day in the off season building to that season doing covid defensive drills right with very little reactive stimulus we're working on the footwork strengthening all those components of individual defense closeouts working on our positioning and awareness as much as we could with with the limitations and that was our best defensive year uh, at Hofstra and it really showed to me that the more time we invested individually and we were forced to, it actually helped tremendously our team defense. I guess it really shouldn't be any surprise that if you don't invest in that, then you probably shouldn't be surprised that your team defense isn't very good. Uh, coaches complain or they just say, like, you have to be able to guard your man. Well, obviously, if you can't guard your man, now we have to guard your man. But yet, I, I just wonder how many coaches spend the majority of their time, you know, years ago, and even still, in shell drill, but our only individual defense is the zigzag drill that all of us <laughs> ran full court for, you know, five, ten minutes during practice. So we're mad at them because we can't guard as a group, but really how much effort are we putting into them guarding individually? And that's probably even reflective of our individual workouts where the majority of the focus and the attention is put on the offensive side. Which begs the question, what do you like to do? You've kind of alluded to this already, but if you have a player for a 45-minute workout, a 30-minute workout, what are you doing to help them defensively and time allotment to that offense versus defense? Yeah, so it really depends on the player, and I'll just give a quick antidote, uh, antidote whatever, um, of <laughs> – what I tell the kids, especially at the lockdown camp and a lot of the players I work with is when we think about the time that you're on the court, right? How many, how many seconds do you spend shooting the ball? Right. And a player will say, you know, I took seven shots. I, I spent seven to 10 seconds shooting the ball. How long did you dribble? Well, if they're off ball player, the amount of time they'd probably dribble if they played, you know, 30 minutes of the game is, it's probably less than three, especially if they're not the point guard. And yet that's the majority of the workouts, right? Ball handling and shooting. They're going to spend most of the time off the ball on the offensive side, cutting, spacing, all that kind of stuff. And then the, ha the other half of their minutes is going to be on defense, right? And, and how much time do we spend on that half, uh, when we, especially when we work with the player individually? And so back to your original question, what does that 30 to 40-minute workout look like with that player? Well, it depends who they are. Right? If they're a really liable defender, if that's their threat to playing time, then we're going to spend you know, probably 75% of that workout just on their defense. Right? And we're going to build up from technique using the, the resistance bands, making sure we're developing that agility and explosiveness to give them the tools to succeed. And then we're going to work on the technique driven of reacting in a, in a mirror drill or in a close the gate drill. And then we can add different things um, that will teach them to help them maybe in their timing, their angles, and things like that. If they're if they're not a, a huge liability, I always like to target in my workouts with a player. Is there any threat to their playing time? 
right? Because if there's not, then we can work on building strengths and maybe developing weaknesses a little bit, but we want to make sure they have a clear strength as well. But if there's a threat, well, we got to get rid of that threat to playing time. Um, and so if it's defense, yes, yeah, 75% is probably going to be on defense. If it's not, then probably only, you know, 10 to 15 minutes of a 45 minute workout is going to be on defense. And it's just going to be a little layered agility and, and footwork mechanics into a, a, probably a warm up reactivity drill. We spent most of the time talking about the individual defender and primarily guarding the basketball, right technique, right movement, that kind of thing. Uh, for the player, it's off ball and not very great. Mm -hmm. What kinds of things do you do to help them? I know one of your, your key qualities was related to the anticipation and the quote unquote instincts of knowing where to go and that sort of thing. But how would you help somebody like that who just off the ball, they're just not getting it? Yeah, that's one of the toughest things I think to work with a player on is their off ball awareness or off, uh, off ball um, focus. A lot of times players think of off ball as a chance to catch their breath and you just need to change that right from the bat, right? They should be off the ball, almost like a player in baseball on first base looking to steal second, right? There, there's no time when that player on first base who's taking a lead is like, oh, I'm just going to watch here. You know, they're constantly thinking they're going to get picked off. They have to react quickly or they have to get ready to explode the second base. Same thing with the play, right? You have to just first change their focus. And I know that sounds oversimplistic, but you got to show them video examples of, okay, this is when you're taking breaks off the ball and this is what it needs to look like. So number one, change their, their mindset because the better they anticipate passes to their man and start that closeout and arrive on the catch, then the worse they're going to get burned, right? Because once you arrive on the catch, you're no longer in a closeout situation. You're just in an all ball situation. Um, but back to your... The second point of training that I think a lot of guys focus too much on their man off the ball and it really gets them in trouble. Uh, and that's kind of the first thing. If a player's clearly having trouble with their off ball position, I say, listen, just go through this practice and I want you to care less about your man. Um, because guess what? I care more about the ball than your man right now. Cause the ball is going to score on us, not your man right now. And so just that change usually helps the player a little bit. But to be honest with you, it's going to take reps. It's going to take team drills and it's going to take film study because I think pattern recognition is going to be the number one thing that's going to help them off the ball. And so the more you can just sit down and watch film with them, not only of their own film, but also the opponent coming up or maybe your, your own offensive drills, just so they get that pattern recognition of, Okay, coming off a ball screen, this is what usually happens, right? We got to tag the roll, man. We got to get out to a shooter who's lifting. They might not be thinking about that. That's not a usual thing. They're always surprised that the guy lifts. But you, it's a pattern thing, and I think that's huge. Not only do you have to experience it, but you have to see it, right? And that's when you have to touch on different avenues. Uh, and last thing I'll say, it might sound silly, but you need to practice it too, even if you, you're doing it one on zero. I've had guys who struggle with this and we just be in the ball in the gym and they're guarding an invisible man and I'm moving around and they have to constantly shift their position, right? We call it one-on-one -on -one vision. And then we, we do other things where they have to just practice stunting and recovering. It's simple drills. And, and I, when, when there's an instance like that, where we're working on post positioning, um, battling the front or help side or stunting the gap and recovering, I like to layer it into an offensive drill. Right. So they're not only working on that 
positioning off the ball into a stunt, you know, whatever recovery closeout. But now it's immediately going into a, a portion of a drill where they can come off or hand off. Now they're attacking the basket, working on their finishing or they're spacing out for a jump shot so that we can just layer in different things and they can keep it engaged because I know it's not going to be the favorite thing to work on. The pattern recognition for me this year is something that I want to spend some extra time on. There are only so many things that the offense can do within that action that's happening at typically like two or three man action. And me just stopping things and maybe, maybe asking them, what do you see? What are the two or three things that can happen next here? And you can tell the older players, you can tell that, that they know that, okay, this is coming next, but to your point, I've got some younger guys that they have no clue that that guy's about to lift. That guy could even lift up out of the corner, and that's where it becomes reactionary. And now they're they're a half second late on a closeout, or they lose their. I, I think you know, knowing where your man, there's that overemphasis on that too, and they're so locked into that, or they're out of position, and all they can see is one of the two things. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds so easy, see ball, see man. <laughs> yet it seems like that's like the thing that I'm yelling the most. during a live play is just see both things because if you can't start with that the rest of the pattern recognition stuff you don't even get a chance to do that no and i think two points on that i number one i'm gonna sound very old school right now um but if you can talk it you can see it right and uh i think defensive communication helps those young players a lot you know i only have to break out of their shell and get comfortable talking, but it it forces them to stay engaged off the ball and recognize Pat, you know, every time they say, watch the down screen, you know, or watch the flex or watch cross screen. And then the down screen. Now they're consciously picking up that that's always happening together. That flex type action or watch the, you know, whatever action into the other, they're constantly picking that up because they're talking and focused on it. The second thing I'll say, I, I do like to layer in things into like a shell drill a basic shell drill where we're just kind of learning positioning and things like that, or we're, we're repping actions and coverages. I give my offense permission anytime they want to cut back door, especially if they see the defender lose vision. And I'm fortunate at New Pulse to, to have a great team that's great at cutting. And so there's quite a bit a lot that, especially early in the year, and it just forces players to learn not only when to shift their focus and when to anticipate cuts, but it keeps them aware of both, right? So that they can't just lock on to the ball in a shell drill and just not get practice at keeping both in mind, uh, which happens a lot when they're repping out shells. They, they know they just have to run to this spot, run to that spot, run to, you know, but now you, you've added this layer of complete embarrassment when they, cl- when they move back and the guy's gone, right? Or the coaches keep blowing the whistle because one guy's wide open under the basket who just got past the ball, or just cut, and the guy didn't even realize it. So layering in th- simple things like that to your shelter, I think, can help your players develop that awareness when other times they're probably not, and you think they are. A ton of great stuff. Uh, the first book was great. great. I loved, loved it. Looking forward to kind of digging in a little bit more to the second book. Where can people order both of those? Where can they connect with you? And where can they find out everything lock left defense related? <laughs> So if, if you want to be up to date on the book, go to LockdownHoops.com and click on the Coming Soon tab. There's a, a newsletter you can sign up to to get first notice when it drops on September 18th on Amazon. And there's also a clinic that you'll immediately be signed up for September 19th where I'll go through a little bit of the book just showing those people who signed up for that newsletter and hopefully 
have bought the book as well. If you want to reach out to me, my email is mikejagacki at gmail.com. And of course, you can always follow me on Twitter, Mike underscore Jagacki. You can start a conversation there. I'm always tweeting out exclusively defensive concepts and content. So if you ever need that fix, you can find it right on my Twitter page. That's Coach Mike Jagacki, assistant coach at New Paltz and author of the new book, The Lockdown Program available September 18th. Coach, thanks for coming on the show and good luck with the new book. Thanks so much. Glad to be here.